0: Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. We know actually without a doubt that Jesus was not born on the date we know of as December 25th. And if that ruins your Christmas, I'm sorry, but that's truth, and truth is more important than our sentiment The truth is That date We ask the question How do we come to that date That date was a chosen date It was chosen to celebrate the birth But there was never There's never been any actual legitimate claim That he was born on the 25th In fact there are many dates That have been put out there As scholars have tried to figure it out And here are some of them I put them in your note guide January the 2nd or the 6th March the 21st or the 25th April the 18th I happen to like that Because that's my birthday And so I will put the stamp on it and say Jesus was born on April the 18th. So was I. That makes us kindred spirits. The 18th or the 19th, May the 20th or the 28th, November the 17th or the 20th. One contemporary theologian, and I would encourage you to look this fellow up. He's got a lot of interesting things to put out there. Dr. Michael Heiser. Still living, still active, still writing, still producing, using both Old Testament prophecy, text from Revelation, and astrological charts believes that the date, he has set the date at September the 11th. That's interesting. And before you groan and say, oh, you know, I've heard his presentation. Now, it takes a lot of effort to get through it. I mean, really it does. But I will tell you this, that it's not without merit as I listen to it. I'll come back to that September date in a few minutes. But you ask, how did we get December 25th? I wanted to make sure we understand some of this, so here we go. There was a claim that was made out there early on in the early church that Mary actually conceived Jesus on March 25th. Well, you add nine months to that, and what do you get? You get December 25th. But there's not one shred of biblical or historical evidence that that's the case. So where that actually came from, I have no idea. But that is out there, and uh, some people look to it. The best answer that I can give you this morning, how did we get with the December 25th date? Is, is one that is recorded and rooted in history, and that, these are the points. What we find as we look at the early church is that for the first 300 years of its existence, it did not celebrate the birth of Jesus. Can you imagine that? The earliest saints, the ones that were closest to Jesus himself, the ones that were won to faith by the apostles and, and, and trained by them, they did not celebrate the birth of, of Jesus. In fact, they focused more on his crucifixion. They focused more on the resurrection. That's where their heart was. That's where the message was. They really didn't have a holiday. In fact, it wasn't until 336 A.D. while Constantine was emperor of Rome that Christmas is first recorded as being celebrated. The birth date, I should say, of Jesus being celebrated. A few years later, history tells us that Pope Julius I declared December 25th to be the official celebration day of the birth of Christ. He did not declare it was the birth date. It's just the official celebration date for the church. And we may ask ourselves the question, well, why did he do that? Why did he declare that? Why did he feel the necessity to make an official celebration date? Well, again, we don't know for sure, but it is believed that he did this to provide a Christian alternative to quite a few pagan celebrations that were taking place uh, at the December time frame of the calendar, not the least of which was the celebration called Saturnella, which celebrated the birth date, so to speak, of the pagan god Saturn. And there was quite revelry and a lot of celebration and drinking and so forth that went on from December the 17th to the 23rd. There was also the birthday of the pagan sun god, Mithra, which actually did take place on December the 25th, the date that the Romans believed to be the winter solstice. And when you think back to what that pope's thoughts were and what the church's thoughts were at the time, it seems pretty simple. That the early Catholic church, and they did this a lot, took pagan practices in, in, in the realm in which they ruled They took the pagan practices of the people of those lands, and they often would lay a Christian veneer over top of that pagan practice in an attempt to bring light into darkness. Church history records, though, that it didn't take long to discover that this type of practice, laying a Christian veneer over pagan practices, does the opposite of bringing light. History is, is, is replete with examples that righteous veneers over darkness do not change darkness. When you put a Christian veneer over darkness, what happens is darkness invades the supposed righteousness and pollutes it. And that brings us to a truth point that I wanted to lay out this morning, and I'm hoping the Holy Spirit will, will give you an interpretation of this for your own life. But, but, but understand this, that spiritual darkness cannot be transformed by placing spiritual light over it spiritual light must infuse the very heart of darkness, removing it, leaving only light. I think this is one of the reasons why we want to be careful how we even celebrate in our day and time. Because if our motivation is, well, we're going to take our Christian ways and our Christian thinking and our Christian motivations and we're going to lay them over top of the pagan ways of the world. You know, that sounds great on paper, but the truth of the matter is, more times than not, it ends up polluting the good motivations you had. Christian veneers do not cover over And that's not the way that Jesus works anyway. What Jesus does is he infuses himself into the very darkness, dispelling the darkness. So that the darkness goes away and light remains. So what I'm saying to you this morning is that you cannot Christianize paganism. You cannot Christianize paganism. Paganism must die in the light of truth and become Christian. This is probably what drove the Puritans when they came over here to America to actually ban Christmas. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but they did. The cultural Christmas. They outlawed it in New England for a number of years. In Boston, Christmas was banned from 1659 to 1681. Why? Because they saw the celebrations as nothing more than occasions for excess, drinking, gluttony, and revelry. Up on the screen is a a public notice from the time, from the Boston newspaper. Here's what it says, because it's too blurry for you to read it, I think. And, And some of the spellings are weird to boot. It says, the observation of Christmas having been deemed a sacrilege. Can you imagine that? <laughs> having been deemed a sacrilege. And they defined it as the exchanging of gifts and greetings, deafing in fine clothing, thefting I couldn't find the definition for that, and similar satanical practices are hereby forbidden with the offender liable to a fine of five shillings. Fining people for celebrating Christmas. But that was the way it was. It actually was not until 1856 that Christmas became a legal holiday in New England. Now, I can see it on your faces, and I can hear it in the quietness, and it's causing me to sweat. You're sitting there, and you're wondering in your mind, Pastor Mike, why are you sharing this stuff with us? I mean, wasn't there a hundred other choices you could have made with this text than to share this? Yes, there are. And if the Lord allows me to live long enough, I'll preach those too. But I shared this with you today today. And I come here this morning literally on this stage, trusting the Spirit of God to use it in His way because I don't have the ability to make you see what I'm seeing. I'm sharing it with you because truth matters. Truth is, the Spirit inspired Luke to give us a window in which to place the birth of Christ. Perhaps with other scriptures, perhaps with passages out of Revelation, perhaps with astrological charts, we can narrow that down and and get an actual year and day, but... But the point for Luke in sharing this information was not to give us an actual date, but to inform us that God has kept his word. That was the point. The point was to reinforce that the seed of the woman prophesied in Genesis 3.15 had come into the world through the Virgin Mary. The point was that the child that Isaiah prophesied who would be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, Isaiah 9, 6, was now on the scene. The point for Luke was that the ruler of Israel coming out of the most insignificant clan of Judah, whose lifespan is eternal, had entered time and space, Micah 5, 2. If God wanted the date of the birth of his son to be known, if he wanted to put it down in like my birth date, April the 18th, 1960, Without a doubt, he could have inspired Luke to record it, but he doesn't. And I think it's worthy to ask the question, why doesn't he? Why doesn't the Spirit of God inspire Luke to record the actual day and year? Could it be that the date of his birth has no import on the actual purpose of his coming? Could it be that what is actually important is what he did come to do and that he did actually come exactly as the prophets and Gabriel foretold? Could it be that humans have a tendency to promote dates and times and ancient relics to the level of worship when the only one who deserves to be worshipped is God and Christ himself? Could it be that the only date concerning Jesus that is of utmost importance is the date that he died for sin? and rose from the dead. A date, by the way, we actually have because it took place on a date that had been going on for centuries, the Passover. So the question then gets raised, well, since we know that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, is it wrong to celebrate his birth on this date? Well, heavens no. It's not wrong. It's not wrong at all. In fact, December 25th is as good as any other date. In fact, perhaps we should be celebrating the birth of the Messiah every day of the year. For the point of his birth was not the birth itself, but what he was born to do. He was born to be our Savior. And we should celebrate his coming every day. For that was the first step of the work that he would ultimately do that brings redemption to our lives. Now, I'm about to close. But speaking of Jesus being the Savior... I want to return to Dr. Michael Heiser's teaching about, and his theory about Jesus being born in September. I want you to remember, I told you, and Luke told you, who it was that was ruling Rome at the time. Who was it? Tell me. Caesar Augustus. Who was? Octavius. Um, it's interesting that before Octavius came to power in Rome, the Roman Senate had deified his uncle. Julius Caesar. In other words, the Senate declared him to be God. When Octavian came to the throne, do you know what they called him? The son of God. Under Octavian, Rome experienced the longest period of prosperity and peace that Rome had ever known. And do you know what they began to call Octavius the son of God? They began to call him the savior of the world. Now think about it. Wouldn't it be just like God To have the true Son of God and the true Savior of the world be born in the same month as the man who was being heralded as the Son of God and the Savior of the world? I'll say it. It would be just like him to do that. Now, whether he did that or not, I have no idea. But it's certainly interesting to think about. And a lot of the evidence points to the fact that Jesus was, in fact, born in the fall of the year. Next week, we're going to continue looking at the birth of Jesus. And we'll look at it in a much more traditional way as we move to verses 8 through 20. The appearance of the angels and the worship of the shepherds. But as for now, ask yourself this. Am I connected with the true meaning of Christmas? Have I, by faith, embraced Jesus? Born in Bethlehem? Born of a virgin? Born without sin? Lived without sin? went to the cross to bear the sin of humanity, took the full wrath of God for sin, rose from the dead to offer eternal life. Have you embraced that, Jesus? Because that is what Christmas is about. The Savior of the world who comes to redeem fallen man, making us sons and daughters of God. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And if you have yet to believe that, if you have yet to receive that, if you have yet to embrace that, today is the perfect day to humble yourself and receive Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale.